Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living a Life Through Books, the podcast about everything bookish. I'm your host, Dr. Shanaz Ahmed, and today is a guest conversation. I have some disclaimers and warnings before we start. First off, the opinions expressed by my guest are his alone and do not reflect that of myself or this podcast. Secondly, this is a long episode. If you are in the car and this episode was the next up in rotation, thank you for listening. But be forewarned that this episode is almost 1 hour 45 minutes. And the last alert is really a content alert. There will be adult language and if you have small children in the car, perhaps you want to play We Don't Talk About Bruno and save this episode for a later time for when you are by yourself. And with all that said, I would still appreciate your support of my podcast. I'll add the links for Buy Me A Coffee and Libro FM in the show notes. Now, our guest, Gary Escadat's most recent publications were actually in May, the nightmare horror novel Breath Control by Yukioto Publishing and the speculative sci-fi crime novel Violent Mind Candy by Melange Books. Forthcoming in a few weeks will be his political satire, Viral Load, by Yardtime Publishing, dealing with fascism as a mental illness. Yardtime Publishing is a public interest group dedicated to prison reform. Less recently, he published a literary thriller with Thor Forge titled D.S., an anti-love story, which did well in sales and reviews and which made the Doubleday Book of the Month Club he sold a four-book crime series to Melange Books that launched last December with Condition Zero and a literary crime novel to Foundations Books that launched last February, Mens Rea, which is being adapted into a graphic novel. Meanwhile, his literary novel, The Ogre Life, was published last August by Yukioto Publishing. He was the crime editor for a decade at the Boston Book Review, and he published fiction in Playboy magazine and wrote for them as well. He currently ghostwrites screenplays for a public figure. And let's get right to my conversation with Gary S. Cadet. Gary, welcome to the Living a Life Through Books podcast. I'm excited to have you here. I'm hoping today we can talk about everything books and publishing so this is all about writing so as they say this is my jam okay so, let's jam it we so will jam it all i know about books and publishing is that at some point someone has to write a book and actually put i don't even know if paper. that's true really I, I don't even know if that's true I don't that's think anybody okay. needs to wow. write a book. Well, you know, <laughs> if they really need to write a book, you know, no. If they want <laughs> they to write don't. a book, let's put it, if they want to write a book, they have to actually put words on screen or on I page. actually need to write a book because I have a contract I have to fulfill. So I guess that's the case. Well, um, yes. It's also, you know, personal goals in life that someone's like, I want to write a book. Which means then, if that's a personal goal, then they actually have to put words to paper, right? Yes. Okay. Yes. Or not so paper now, anymore. Now it's well, all not, sure. We're, they, paper. uh, We're paperless. That's right. Put it on a Word document. That can still get physical books, you know. Right. We what? So we put on a Word document, or 
Google Docs or what's, do you know about Scrivener? Yes, I do. Tell me about um, Scrivener. No, I don't. No, you I don't. Okay. So you have not used Scrivener, so you can't tell me much about that, right? Well, I can tell you. I mean, okay. I have actually. Okay. I, so tell me I about really Scrivener. The less, the less computer software that you use in composing a novel, the better. Because you don't really need prompts. You don't, you know, if you can't actually create a manuscript that's grammatical without having some artificial intelligence algorithmic based program try to inform you as to what the grammar is, it's it's much better that you have that competency. Okay. You okay. should not be using electronic aids to compose your novel. If you need that, then you should really question your ability to write a novel. Right. No, I, this is really good because my understanding of Scrivener and or my misunderstanding, it seems like it, was that it was more of a novel organizing app or a platform where it's easier to access chapters. And so I yeah, can go that's in. That's not really necessary. Okay. It's entirely unnecessary. Well, I mean, you know, you start writing a book. I don't know. You know, you want to do chapters, you do chapters. I seldom, I do chapters when I write genre and I do sections when I write literary. And really it's, it's something that's very easy to keep track of. You open your file, you write your first section or half of it. You save that version. You go back to it. You know where you were. You don't need any of that organization. It's very simple. Chapter, everything is by accretion. You just keep writing until you hit the end of one section, you move along, you mark it that way. You don't really need. Right, but when you're actually editing it, like for me, when I'm editing something or for whatever reason, my Word document closes, I'm opening it again. I'm like, okay, I know it was in chapter 13. Scroll down, scroll, 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 scroll. Where am I? Chapter, keep scrolling. Well, you know, using Word, I have to say that it will tell you where you left off. You don't really need Scrivener. Okay. Well, my word, no, I, I, mean, I have to figure really it out. It's unnecessary. Okay. And I find a lot of features that are in Word to be completely unnecessary. But okay. if, you want to, if you want to write professionally, you're going to wind up using Word because you're going to be editing. You're going to have copy editors who will give you a track changes accounting of what you did wrong. And then it, when you have a gross editor, which is missing which is under the mis misnomer on Twitter as, quote, developmental editor. But really, the gross editor is the publishing editor who will suggest big changes. Okay. Like, this section is slow. Rewrite it. Kind of ambiguous. But when it takes up 30 pages, you're there, you know, tearing your hair out. In fact, I just got one of those yesterday. You know, this is a little slow. Maybe you can, like, take take out 10 pages. You know, Scribner isn't sure. going to help Okay, so let's talk about the less programming, the less artificial intelligence algorithmic pattern that you rely on, the better. You should be able to do it all in your head and okay. you should just need simple prompts. Okay, I mean, that's I great. Know. I mean, when I'm done with something, I close, you know, I save it, I close Word, I open it up again, and then it says, Would you like to start where you left off? Well, yes, I click on that and then I'm, I'm, I'm hard at it. Okay. So, I just, I was just curious. I didn't, you know, no, it was just. No, a, I'm not taking umbrage at this and I'm sorry right. if I seem No, no worries. Okay. Let's talk about the editing. You know, you talk about, you had mentioned sure. gross editing, developmental editing. I have actually been a copy editor. Okay. I've worked copy desk at, at a couple of different newspapers. 
And Define copy editor. What is a copy um, editor? Sure. Line editor, word ed what is a copy editor? Well, there are two kinds of editing for novels. Okay. There's the copy editor. And then there's, you know, they call it the, I really don't like the neologisms of Twitter terminology because okay. they're wrong. You know, it's like the distinction between self-published and traditional published. Got news for you. Vanity publishing, which is what it is when you pay to actually produce your work, um, has been around since Gutenberg. In fact, it's older than commercial publishing, which is misnomer trad publishing or traditional publishing. It's not traditional. It's just professional. It's actually professional versus amateur. That's what that is. Okay. Developmental editing is really gross editing from a publishing editor at an imprint who will read your manuscript and say big things. All right, this sentence is awkward. Let's get rid of that. This whole section sucks. You got to move it to the mm -hmm. front of the book. It's dragging, you know, and sometimes they'll say that they'll do a Hollywood number on you and say, you know, the third act, the third act is really weak, you know, and of course that's, can I swear? <laughs> can I say bad words here? Go ahead. Swear all you want. Just I'll just fucking bullshit. Okay. It's okay. bullshit. There's no such thing as a three act structure and everybody is sold on it, but it's just not true. And we'll get into that in a little bit. Okay. But, but sure. The, the difference with a copy editor, a copy editor, traditionally speaking is low man on the totem pole or low woman on the totem pole. Okay. And they have no power, but they're hired to take a look at your manuscript and correct all errors of commission and omission relating to grammar, not proofreading, not typos, not spatial errors, but actual grammatical errors. You know, when tenses don't agree, mm -hmm. when uh, there's uh, poor word choice, when there's a neologism, which means you're making up a term that doesn't exist because you think it exists. <laughs> Because you're lot. just making it up and then you're going to become famous a lot of people years make up down the road, you know? A lot of people make up adverbs, you know. <laughs> well, that's very deskly of you, you know, <laughs> such oh, wow. adverbs. Okay, got it. <laughs> um, they do it all the time. And, and then there's a stupid Twitter rule, don't use adverbs. By the way, don't use Twitter rules is what I say. Um, okay. So the copywriter... The adverb rule came from Stephen King. He, uh, in his book on writing, he says... He's, a, he's such an incredible hack. I wouldn't listen to anything <laughs> Stephen King had to say. He writes at a superficial, moronic level, is derivative of old comic books, never had an original ideas in, in his entire life, and is an ultra hack. And it just shows you the contempt that the publishing industry has for actual writers by their wholehearted embrace of him and by Hollywood's wholehearted embrace. I don't even think he writes his book anymore. I, I think he's just got a factory, you know, and he oversees it. Okay. That's my okay. speculation. But getting okay. back to copy editing... Okay, copy editing. Yes, I'm on record disliking Stephen King. Got it, got it. Oh, okay. You know, I, you, you, I guess I'm the odd man out for that, but, but that's okay. You're also on record for, which I'm going to, I'm we're going to go wherever this conversation takes us. You're I, also I, on record for- I'm here to please you. I, I'm here to do what you want me to do. I'm at your disposal. Well, I, I, make it an entertaining and informa informational. Absolutely, I'm all about entertainment. Well, excellent. Writers group once a week where I talk for like two hours. And everybody says, oh, that was actually entertaining and informational. I'm like, are you sure? You know, I wouldn't <laughs> like, have to listen to me go on ad nauseum, you know? But sure, let's get back to copy. Okay. Well, in uh, the olden days, before computers, you get a manuscript, a copy editor, and I've done copy editing. So, okay. So what you would do is you would read it and you find an error, 
a grammatical error, and then you take a little post-it and you'd write Q for query, a colon, and then you write, do you really want to, do you really want this bad grammar in there for any reason? Question mark. <laughs> um, really, that's what you do because you have no power. Yeah. It's all up to the writer. The writer can say, well, the copy editor wanted me to do this and, you know, he's, he's brain damaged or she's brain damaged. I don't want to do it. And the gross and the publishing editor will say, okay, reads okay to me, sure. But copy editing is a, is a grind and it's hard and it's a line by line affair. So it's line edit. That's it's kind of like a higher Another word level. is a line edit. It's, that's just not really a term. <laughs> okay. Well, that's a, that's a, you know, the it, Instagram. It's another neologism. It's another neologism. The neologism is developmental edit, line edit, and then there's one more edit. I forget. The, the neologism. There's no, no, no other edit. That's all the edits that there are. No, there are three edits. There's developmental, oh, then there's the, the line, and then there's the word edit, like, like down to the, no? no. Okay. There's only two edits. You have the okay. publishing edit. Developmental editing does not exist. It's something invented by literary agents so they can screw with your work uh, and tell you how it's going to be and then make you submit it for them to the publisher by proxy with the synopsis that you've composed. Literary agents are scurrilous. They really want it. They want to fuck with your work. They want it their way. And they think they can have it their way because they think they're educated and they know what's what. And you know what? They don't know shit. But they're trying to Just, sell your book, though. I mean, they're an agent. They don't know, and they can't sell. In fact, they're all ashamed of being salesmen, all of them. But that's why they're that's agents, they though. That, why, okay, okay. Why would a writer want an agent, then? If I want to get published... To make money. To okay, make okay. money. If I want to get published... Get, wait, I'm going to answer that question. Okay. They okay. Want, if you want a big five deal, that's where you're going to get a good advance, or I don't even know if the advance is that good anymore, but you will get an advance, which is the only money you're ever really going to make from your book. Royalties right. are a joke. You know, you're not going to sell enough copies to do anything, really. You, you know, you're not going to be able to give up your job as a waitress if you're, you know, publishing and, and um, the only revenue that you can receive is uh, a partial payment off, rep, off, um, off sales, off actual book sales. The, the royalty share, as it's called. Okay. Um, you know, so. Unless uh, you make it super big and you're one in like. Never happens. Million. I mean, you know, sure. There's, uh, there are exceptions to every rule. Shanaz. Right. Shanaz is the right name. The way to sure, say it. Yes, absolutely. I mean, you no disrespect. No, you're, you're making nothing. You are, you know, unless you're a fluke. You know, or you're like E.L. James and you're backed by a publishing consortium and you and you invested $30,000 in what you're doing. Then, okay. you know, your self-published book isn't really self-published, but you pretend it is and you'll make revenues and distribution and so forth. But the average the, the average author who cannot ha get a literary agent because literary agents are really, you know, they're a problem in and of themselves. And I will address that during this meeting. The only way you're going to get really decent money and a shot at Hollywood adaptation or streaming media adaptation is th through an editor pitching your work at a big five publisher. And there are only there are only five big companies that have all these imprints. You know, there's like Holtzbrink, which owns okay. Tor Forge and St. Martin's Press and et cetera. It's all corporate. I'm going to stop you here. You had said the only way you're going to make it is by getting an editor 
Oh, no. Uh, well, no, 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 no. To promote your book to a big five. No, I was that told- would be an agent. An agent would do that. Okay, not- okay because you because you said editor. I'm like, whoa, wait. Okay, oh, an okay. agent. Well, okay. I'm, pardon okay, got, me. Got, I'm got, got, no, no worries. I, I, no I had a neural I, misfiring. It happens, you know. Oh, maybe my ears mis, misheard too. Oh, you're okay. quite right. You're quite right. I, yeah. I apologize. Possible. You know. Okay, so the only way you get it is agent to that. And the Let's... only way you get a shot at good money. Okay. And you but... know, all these uh, writers on Twitter, would-be writers, would-be novelists, would-be's, wannabes. Somehow they think it's all about love. I, I want an agent to love my work. I, I want to be loved. I want to be. No, it's about money. It's a money business, and it's a brutal money business. I mean, it's like Hollywood, but for a shitload less money. Right. It's meretricious. It's not. It's not organized. Publishing itself is like a chicken with its head cut off, running around, not knowing what it's doing. Okay. That's the okay. reality. It's chaos driven. Okay. I'm gonna go way back. You'd mentioned something I, about. I'm with you. I am, got- I'm going with you. Okay, got it. You'd mentioned something about. How in the past, we're talking about linguistics here and words, you said, sure. oh, there was amateur publishing. People always, or you, you'd call oh, it. Oh, it was actually vanity publishing. Vanity, vanity, vanity and, publishing. And is, I mean, and it's, you it said still that exists. Amateur versus professional, term. which is pretty What's much, you, you said amateur, mm-hmm. vanity publishing is amateur versus professional. You have pretty much insulted no, I, I, I'm being accurate. I'm being accurate right now because me. wait a minute. You don't believe me? Go to the dictionary. Go look up what vanity vanity publishing will be there. Do you want to know what the definition will say? When the author bears all of the costs of publication, that's it. You're paying to publish your book. You're an amateur, and you're a vanity published, and you're you're insulting actually independent authors published by independent publishers by calling yourself an indie. You're not an indie. You're a vanity. It doesn't matter if you only pay $150 and maybe 200 bucks for the cover and you did it yourself. You're a vanity author and you're an amateur. And the definition of an amateur is pretty much anyone who does anything and it doesn't reach a professional standard. There is no professional standard when you're vanity publishing. You can publish doodles. You can publish one line repeated 500,000 times, like all work and no play makes Jack a dull boy. You can make a whole book about that and you can publish it yourself. It reaches no standard. There is no quality. And nine times out of 10, I actually say 9.7 <laughs> times out of 10, the vanity work that's published is just execrable. It's terrible. No knowledge of grammar, no ability to create sentence flow, no, no means of comprehension. It's just a slapdash waste of time. Okay. And, me- and, you know, and it's really an insult to India. I'm an indie published. But I mean, I'm published by like five different publishers. I've had a big five deal, but you're insulting me when you when you pay to do your own book and call yourself an indie author. You're not. You're hijacking the term. You're a vanity author and you're ashamed of it. They are right. all ashamed of being vanity authors because that's the fact of it. And because- like I said, go to Miriam Webster. They will define vanity publishing in just exactly the same terms, you know, paraphrased. Because uh, you like- know how you've been on Twitter. I mean, like I've been on Twitter and even in other mediums, there is this argument that goes on about how, oh, if someone says that you're a van- you know, vanity publisher or you self-published, that's still publishing people. And no, we no, shouldn't be, not. we I mean, should not be, but we I mean, not be critical speaking, of them, blah, I'm blah, sorry, blah. I'm not, and... I'm not meaning to talk over you. No, no, go ahead. Go ahead. You know, legally speaking, well, I mean, even legally, I guess that's not true. 
I mean, sure. I mean, you can you can vanity publish anything you want, and it is technically publishing. I mean, it is publishing. You are publishing, but you're publishing at the lowest level, and you reach no professional standard. So you're paying. You- you're paying to work. Correct. Correct. Okay. And what you're doing is you're sucking the oxygen out of the market for those who don't pay to work. You're taking food out of their mouths. But also, let me, let me just finish this thought. You're taking, because what you're doing is you're saturating the market with goo. So there's less of a demand for anything because there's too much of everything and much of it is crappy and nobody wants the crap. And it also enables big five corporate publishers to screw you over. Well, how does that work? Sure. Well, you know, we'd like to give you this advance. And, uh, you know, really, it's much smaller than you'd expect. But really, there are people who are paying to do this. Oh, we'd also like like you to do all your marketing, you know, because, you know, people are paying to do this. You can take a little bit of the uh, you can take a little bit of the load of the work, you know, and you can do public relations and you can do postings and you can promote your own work because, you know, we at Random House, we're not going to do that. Because writers are paying to do what you're doing. You're lucky. That's how vanity publishing destroys the professional realm of fiction publishing for authors who are experienced and professional and who want to make money with what they're doing. Okay. I'm going to let's stick with the vanity publishing right now for a little bit. So I'm then this, these are things what I've heard and, you know, what I, you know, I'm kind of like, I hear it and I think it and I process it. So one of the, one of the thought process, hold on. One of the thought processes is that in the past, I don't know what the past, what the definition of the past is, but the thought process was in the past (laughs) when people, you know, published their book by Vanity Publishing on Amazon, blah, blah, blah. The quality was not very good. Was not very good. There were so many Vanity Publishers before Amazon even existed. Right. Vanity was, and you know, every publisher, every agent, no matter what they say, looks down on that. They won't tell you that. They'll just act that way and treat you accordingly. No, no. Vanity's been around, as I said, since Gutenberg. Right. But let's take and vanity, some vanity and publishing Amazon. Has, some vanity publishing has proven to be great and important. You know, like the works of Lord Dunsany, probably the creator of all modern fantasy. And he had no interest in commercially publishing. He wrote his books and he privately published them for his friends. And uh, because he was an English lord, he didn't have to work. He didn't have to rely on money. Right. Um, but there would be no H.P. Lovecraft without him. There would okay. be no Tolkien without him. In fact, Tolkien mercilessly, mercilessly plagiarized from Lord Dunsany. Oh, wow. Uh, and uh, he did. I mean, he's the author of the King of Elfland's, um, the King of Elfland's daughter. You know, <laughs> he was doing elves and gnolls and fantasy creatures well before Tolkien was trying in his sloppy Oxford Donish way to try to recapitulate World War I in a three volume mess of bloated nonsense. Okay. I would, you know, I'll read Dunsany any day of the week. You know, I'll use Tolkien as a freaking doorstop. Okay. Got it. But, you know, there, and Henry Adams, The Education of Henry Adams, that was okay. self published. Mont Saint Michel and uh, the, the Cathedrals of France, that was also by, by Adams. That was privately published. Okay. Uh, there, there's, there is definitely a history, uh, good and bad, of vanity publishing, just as there is a history of commercial publishing, good and bad. I mean, I don't think anybody looks back and says, 
You know, the literary, the literary style and the model that I follow is Jacqueline Suzanne. You don't even hear that name. Big bestseller, wrote like crap, and she was commercially published. You know, Valley of the Dolls, for example. Okay. You know, and, uh, and what about Harold Robbins? He wrote ridiculous, oh terrible books, but was a huge bestseller. Well, no one knows who he is right now. He's in the Stephen King class of, of, of Flavia. <laughs> well, but it's, I think the other element of being in that class is also a class that people equate to making money because they're bestsellers and they sell millions of well, Let me tell you, have you known any author like that? Have you known any author at all who claims they're not interested in making money? Well, of course not. I mean, that, that would be Are there any that you've seen? Well, do you know any person who's not interested in making money almost? No, I mean, I don't. Right, exactly. So forget authors. But, but, there but, are claims on Twitter. I don't really care if anyone buys my book. I just want to be loved. And, and I, I just want to be loved and appreciated. I, I don't care. And you know what? That's just fucking bullshit. That's, that's, <laughs> that's a blatant lie. It is a blatant lie. It, it's a blatant and lie. you know what? All this uh, MSWL, M querying, writers community, all this, it's all about selling books by, by people who don't know how to write. Hey, wait a minute. I'm writing a book. I know how to write. I'm just telling you that right now. I okay? believe you, but you know, there's so many who don't. And they think writing is the last thing on the list. I'm such a great intuitive native writer. I don't have to worry about that. I got to be concerned with the three act structure. And I got to be concerned with plot twists. And I got to be concerned with gimmicks and, uh, and characters. I got to figure out what kind of underwear my main character wears. Really, the writing is the last thing on the list. And I see a lot of crap, you know, and it takes everything in me not to grammatically correct what they posted. Okay. Just got basically, it. you know, and, and they all fall into the same trap. They mistake hyperbole for style. They don't know how to make sentences link to one another. So, you know, it's like reading something written by Rosie the Riveter, rat, tat, 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 tat. <laughs> right, right. Even when it's grammatically correct, which it normally isn't. Okay. I'm going to go into specifically self-publishing. I mean, but as far as I'm concerned, you're an A-plus writer because I've never read anything by, your, by you. So you start out with an A-plus and then you go down from there. <laughs> Excellent. Remind me never to send you my work. But anyway, <laughs> not necessarily. Well, I mean, but... This is what I say to people. I've actually, I, I actually scout for an independent publisher. I, I refer manuscripts to them and I don't charge for that service. I've gotten a few people traditionally published, you know, and they're always like, well, gee, Gary, you know, what'd you think of my writing? What'd you think of my, and you know what I say? I say, you don't want me to say that because I hate everything. I don't even like my own work, you know? Okay. So that's well, I, I mean. we could we could talk about my work, but down the road. Uh, I, 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 frankly, I, frankly, I'm interested. I will, but we'll go into my work. But I have uh, a few Gary, questions I'm for the podcast. All the things you want to talk about, I'm interested. I'm in. curious about right now. Let's talk about money, and let's talk about the comment and and it's money. I'll talk uh, about self-publishing Amazon, where people talk about well, why would anyone ever? published with the big five or anything or with a publisher when I made more money with publishing my book on Amazon. And there is no, an entire movement that's talking about how they, they are full of shit. It's 80 cents true. to the dollar versus 10 cents to the dollar. And they're true. like, why would none of anyone that, ever do that? I've got to say, none of that's true. Nobody's making great bank with their self-published nonsense. They're not. 
Um, People I are have, talking about making like $100,000 a year by I don't self-publishing. See it. No, I don't see it. They can't even make that crowdfunding. So I don't know what your sources are, but it's not so. And frankly, everybody wants a big five deal because that's when you get an advance anywhere from eighty dollars to $120,000. And it's a three book deal, you know, and uh, publishers are, are chintzy and stingy, even the ones with great wealth, you know, and what they will do to the author, presumably who has an agent. I mean, they'll pay the agent. The agent will then take the 15% out of that money from their escrow account. And then right, from right. the escrow account, they'll pay the writer. And what they do is sometimes they give you a, you know, a signing payment. So you're getting $80,000. They'll give you $10,000 to sign the contract. And then two months later, they may give you $20,000. And six months later, they may give you another $20,000. It may take three years for you to collect all of your advance. Um, and that's what, that's what big corporate publishers do. You know, I'm talking about anything Simon and Schuster, pocketbooks, all their relevant materia medica. And the same thing with Penguin Random House. But yeah, I mean, you're gonna get you're gonna get a sometimes a six-figure deal. And it's not even considered a big deal in publishing. You know, okay. on Publishers Marketplace, which is a propaganda agency for literary agents and is completely worthless. It's it's all about it's all about ad dollars from agents and and uh, sign up dollars from you know clueless writers. I mean the the real publications that govern the industry are Publishers Weekly and the most read newsletter in publishing, which is Publishers Lunch. Okay, it has the most subscribers. You want to know what's going on in publishing and what the trends are? Like everybody else who's serious about business, you subscribe to Publishers Lunch. But no, there is, there are, it's non-existent to say that there are vanity writers who are making hundreds of thousand dollars from posting their book on Kobo, Barnes and Noble, Amazon, electronically in Kindle, blah, 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 print on demand. Nobody's making that kind of money. If they're telling you that, it's not true. Okay. Nobody you know. is. And I've known some, I've known some self-published authors who made something. I can think of MJ Rose way back when she self-published lip service. Okay. I know I blurbed the book myself. And back then a blurb was a pull quote saying wonderful things about the book and the author. MJ you know, Rose, hold on a sec. Okay, yep, yeah, okay, got it. Her book's right here. I don't know if you see it. It's the last year she sent it to me. She was on my podcast. She's a oh. hack. <laughs> Terrible. Hey, no, she, her she real was on name my is podcast. Melise. Huh? Her real name is Melise. Um, okay. She posts a lot on Instagram about her dog. Yeah, well, you know. It's a lot about that. Uh, okay, I have a question. So I remember uh, I remember dealing with um, the president of Pocket Books, who supposedly was a fan of mine, Linda Marrow. She's the one who acquired that book. And it was being acquired, uh, having been published on Amazon, and it was getting, you know, bestseller ranking. It was getting, but it wasn't making a lot of money. Okay. At all. So, you know, when MJ got the deal from Linda Marrow, who you know later left to become vice president of Random House and all that. This okay. is someone I knew and had lunch with and met with in the office. In fact, she referred me to a literary agent who turned out to be a complete and utter locks. But you know, okay. when, when a publisher says you know you're sitting in the publisher's office and the literary wa agent walks in and the publishing executive says, "Gary, Gary, this is John. He's a great agent. You know, John, will you sign Gary? Will you? Okay. You know, and, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not making this up." Well, well, this, is, this is dead bang truth in any case. So I have a question. We talked about independent. I, I wanted to wrap that up by saying, oh, go ahead. Everybody wants big five money. 
anyone who's telling you they don't can't publish because they're not good enough or they're not of the right gender, sexual preference, identification, ethnicity, age, because, and I call that author profile, where books are published because of who the author reflects himself, herself, their selves as being, you know, and then they, they figure nobody reads anyway, we can all, we can fix the badness of the manuscript. And, and you know, how do I know this? Well, you know, I've been ghostwriting for, I don't know, 25 years. And in addition to the 250 odd full feature scripts that I wrote for other people, I would occasionally come in as a novel repairman and fix illiterate writing to be semi-literate writing. You know, sometimes you have to rewrite the whole thing to make it really literate. But I will tell you, and a lot of people be, don't care. You could be as insulted as you want by this comment. I'm just going to tell you blatantly, I am opposed to ghostwriters. The way you're, I look at it, I'm, I'm completely you're opposed to what? Can you ghost, repeat that? I'm opposed to ghost writers. I'm not opposed to the writer. I am opposed to people who cannot write, who are paying money. Hey, I, I'm, with you. Money. I'm with that you. I'm with you. But you know what? Right. Everybody has to eat. <laughs> That's downright pleasure. I, I agree no, with you. Every, Absolutely, everyone has I'm to be. I'm not insulted. I'm not insulted. Right on, decency, man. Have the you decency. Don't even, you don't say, even know the level of idiots that I have. I'm saying, have people. the decency to wait, tell wait people me, I cannot write, but better. I have the money minute, and I paid him. This is my business, Shanaz. Let me tell you the root of all evil are literary agents. And <laughs> oh, wow. they're the okay. ones who call me up and say, Gary, you're, you know, it came recommended to me as a ghost. I got this book. I want to turn it. I want to sell it, but it's awful. Can you, what can you do to fix it? You know, and then I, I get the thing. I, I wind up rewriting sections and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Doesn't but, you know, I, I get a decent paycheck at the end. <laughs> but isn't it supposed to be the agent reads the book and it's terrible or whatever, and he, she wants to fix it. She goes back to the author and says, I don't like this, this, this. Fix it and well, come okay, back I'll to me. I'll stop you right there. I'll stop you right there. Okay. Because really... If the author is such a bad writer, then the, the agent should just reject it on the basis of quality. But unfortunately, in the modern literary industry, and I'm, I believe, Shanaz, I don't disagree with anything you're saying at all. Okay. I, okay. I'm in total agreement with you. And I have profited from this flaw. Right. Like a lot. <laughs> right. It's... Um, but let me, let me say this. Agents have no business fucking with your work. They have no business rewriting your work. They have no business editing your work. They're not editors. They're not, they're not press agents. They're not editors. They're not critics. They're not artists, all of which they pretend to be. And I love when they say, I'm an editorial agent. You know, fuck you. You're not an editor. You're someone who can't sell a fucking book. And you, and you think you have to insert yourself in the process of creating the manuscript. Get the fuck out of here. That's my attitude toward that. Because really, the, the writer should be good enough. Right. And, if the, and if the writer reaches a professional standard, then the agent should read it and not care if it's done by a dwarf or if it's done by uh, a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant prep, prep school graduate. Doesn't matter the identity of the author. Should be about the manuscript and the actual writing. But the fact of the modern literary industry is that the quality of writing is low on the list of priorities. And literary agents at the boutique level, I think whenever you see boutique agency, you should run for the hills because they don't uh, uh, because they have a different model. 
than actual good literary agents. And the really good literary agents don't want to hear from you. They don't. They won't, they won't accept your unsolicited queries. They won't even solicit your unsolicited queries. Then how Wait, do you get to them? Boutique agents solicit queries and manuscript wish list is a joke. They're, they're, they're begging. They're actually begging for slush. They're begging for slush piles. And frankly, no real agent wants to publish off the slush pile. They don't. But I, I will get back to what I'm saying. I'll get called by an agent. And, and it's apparently it's a famous person okay. who hired an as told to writer, you know, or, or a ghost writer, you know, dictating everything to him. And the ghost writer was so terrible. The manuscript is just, you know, cow flaw. And so they call me up and say, take a look at it, Gary, see what you can do. And, you know, sometimes I send it back and I say, there's no hope for this. It needs to be completely rewritten. And when I say, okay, there's something there, here's my rate. And then they say, no, we're not going to pay that. And I say, good luck. And, all right, all right. You know, we'll compromise. And, and they pay me uh, half of the money as a sure. security up front. And then when I successfully deliver the property, they pay me the rest. I get right. no credit. And I don't like to do it with novels. Which I'm much is happier bullshit, doing by the way. Me. But anyway, go oh, ahead. Uh, <laughs> you do not know the level of bullshit that I have written. You just don't. I mean, I, I just, I, I've written terrible movies. I mean, they, they call me up and say, well, you know, we got a midget. We, you know, we, we've got a juggler. We've got an ex-porn actress and we've got a, a dive bar. We want I want that thrown in. Um, make it on location in Bismarck, North Dakota. You know, can we have a screenplay, you know, maybe a week or so from Monday? You know, <laughs> and then I, I come up with a log line. I come up with coverage, a story. And they say, okay, yeah, we can live with that. And then I get half the money and I write this freaking piece of shit. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay. <laughs> I deliver the thing. I mean, I, I wrote a movie. I, I use this as a good example. I, I wrote a movie of a hip hop version of Peter Pan okay. starring a particularly famous actor who will go unnamed because whenever I do these things, I sign a non-disclosure agreement. Of course. They will sue me. They really will. If I, if I name them in this podcast, they will sue me. Ooh. And I've had a couple of my really terrible movies pop up on Netflix. That's There's nothing more cringeworthy than having an actor spout lines that you've written. You know, you're going, hey, I, I did that. No, <laughs> um, it's absolutely true. Um, but I mean, the hip hop Peter Pan, the title that we settled on was Urban Pirates. But the one they liked the best was Captain Off the Hook. Um, <laughs> okay. And that's the story. And you know what? It would really be nice if art was a priority of literary publishing, but it isn't. And it hasn't been for 70 years. Okay. Let's talk about art versus creative writing and stories, storytelling. Because ultimately, you know, when we talk about, oh, let's add a plot twist and character desire, blah, 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 all the stuff and stories and story arcs and let's divide all that. Arcs are, arcs are a myth. All right, so this is Gary's very controversial view. There's no three-act structure. It doesn't exist. It's just used as a weapon against writers. That's all it is. They do it in Hollywood all the time because they, they have no regard for writers. But then again, the literary industry really hates writers too. They'd like to phase us all out so we're not involved in the business. They have no use for us. There's no arc. There's no story arc like that. There's no Noah's arc. There's no character arc. There just isn't. And yes, you're talking about tricks and gimmicks and twists and everything. Sure. There is no arc in 
And if it's all tricks and gimmicks, and if it's all that is a misnomer. No, actually, it's then, not really about that. It shouldn't even be about that. Then you know, what story do you story. have? Just because I can write poetic, I'll just give you a random poem and just publish that. because this- Well, it depends. Is the poem any good? You know, um, I can think of books that are plotless. You know what I mean? They have no plot, and yet they're great. They have no character arc. They have no twist. They have no... They, they aren't written as a cheap emulation of the movie world, which is what all of these agents want. Oh, I saw this Netflix series. Give me that. Or I want a book like this book, this book, this book. I don't want anything original. And I want, I want it to be twisty and voicey. Well, got to tell you, anything that's written that way is bound to fail because it's not any good. Okay. And again, quality Let's... doesn't matter. And, you know, if you get enough market hype, and I mean, there are big, the big five publishers have the money. They elect, you know, each one of them elects maybe like 10 books a year that they will throw marketing muscle behind. And other people, frankly, they get nothing. You know, you're on your own. So tell me how, let's talk about me for a minute. I have a, I a fabulous I would love book. to talk about you. You're a lovely person. I'm really happy to have been introduced to you. And well, I agree with good. you. I agree with you probably 100%. So I have an amazing book that I'm writing. It's on well, like the. Why do you think it's amazing? May I ask? I mean, because I wrote it. Because I'm amazing, so the book's material. amazing. You know, that's kind of where it is. <laughs> All right. Well, tell me about it. You know, really. Uh, tell tell you about my I'll book. I'll try and help you get it published if it's any good. Well, so my book is really it's more of an own voices. It's a journey. What does that mean? Own voices. Own voices means it's this thing with it's a new trend of people. Are, I, I don't find this to be a real thing in the world anyway. Okay, It's basically, it's like saying that if I'm going to write about a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant, right now they won't let me do that. They're like, you're brown and you're Muslim, so you need to write about brown and Muslim. That's the definition of own voices, by the way. Okay, well, you know what that is? That's the definition of author profiling because it doesn't matter about the work. It matters about your, your ethnic and gender and right. other, that's kind of what they're, they're like more like right stay in your lane and write about stories within your culture and your background which is totally fine i can totally you know i and i and it comes to me easy i actually don't think it's totally fine you should you I'm know okay. the story comes places, to me all of okay. these places should be open to any material from anyone as long as the manuscript is good or great i have no I don't even like to think of black novelists as black novelists, just good novelists. I mean, Richard Wright, great novelist by any standard. And he wrote about racial issues probably more intensely than anybody else. He was he was of that stripe. He didn't want to be typed as a black author. In fact, he even tried to write an existential novel in France called The Outsider, you know, after having written probably the best racial indictment of America, Native Son, with bigger Bigger Thomas, his villainous hero, who really isn't a villain. He's a victim. But okay. yes, yeah, sure. Tell but, me more about your amazing book. My amazing book, dark-skinned, uh, young Indian Muslim woman. Her dream is to be an artist. She's going to art school. She is pretty much shunned in her own culture, family. She's got several. It's an arranged marriage culture. So you're nothing unless you're married. And she is trying to get married. She's got several rejected proposals until... She gets accepted. Now, isn't, isn't the marriage arranged by the family rather than 
yes, by the family. That's just how it is. Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm done. And then she gets um, a acceptance, a proposal from a divorced older male from America. And she doesn't want to marry him. She asks her mom, mom, please, please, I don't want to do this, blah, blah, blah. Her mom's like, you have nothing. You have nothing. You have to marry him. So she she ends up marrying him, of course. Life is not great. He's a total jerk. And now she's in this new country and she has to figure out her life, learn the norms of the country, figure everything out and figure out a how to get out of the marriage and to basically live and find her dreams and eventually be happy. You know, that's pretty much it. Would you say, fairly speaking, that this is what we would call a Romana clay? Meaning, I do not know what a Romana clay is. I'm about to explain that. Got it. <laughs> it's basically where you the where you're you're writing a fictionally veiled autobiography. Yes and no. Where you're taking a lot of your life and you are fictionalizing it and adding different things to it. Yes and no. Yes and no. Absolutely yes and no. There are a lot of things. Oh, a definite maybe. <laughs> Definite maybe, yes. Okay. <laughs> no, what, what I've done is there are scenes that have come, scenes and events from my life. Uh, there are scenes and events from other people's lives. Sure. That's uh, great. For example. Great stuff. All great stuff. All Like someone no, told I, me. I love it. I, I, I love it. So, some, yeah, so that's the, that's the basic concept. That's of, the basic plot. That's the plot of it. And so you have to actually practice a lot so that you could distill that plot in a single sentence. I do have to practice to distill the plot in a single sentence. You are it's absolutely not an easy correct. skill. I teach it every Thursday in Got my it. writing group. It's called a log line. It's a misnomer of current publishing to call it the elevator pitch. It's not. And the log line is important because for the past 35 years, Hollywood's been doing that. And there are movie franchises, not just single movies, that have been sold off a log line. Don't believe me? You ever hear of American Pie? I think so. Sold <laughs> off the log line where, you know, a horny teenager fucks his family's apple pie and they eat it. That was the log line that sold American Pie. No way. Wait. Wow. And that, you know, Hollywood, nobody wants to read. And I've worked in Hollywood, so I have the experience to back up anything I tell you. But let me just, add, you know... I just, will tell you, before you tell me, so I'll tell you, I am notorious for being squirrel-brained and ADHD and a little lazy. I've never met a writer someone, <laughs> Because someone told me, not someone, uh, a New York Times bestselling author told me, you need a lot, you need to write this line when people ask you what your book is about. You need to memorize this and go blah, 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 blah. I don't know if you have so to I still haven't far. done it. And here I am I on my really podcast you and you ask me. And I mean, that's a little much. Unless you're going to pitch in Hollywood. And I have pitched in Hollywood. I have. I pitched, for, I pitched in front of Miramax. I'm not a household name, but I've done it. Okay. Um, so, but I mean, a lot of... Uh, Modern publishing has become the handmaiden and slave of the movie industry and the streaming episode industry and the TV industry. And a lot of the things that they're telling you about writing are simply wrong. Okay. They're wrong. You know, novels are never going to be screenplays. You try and write a novel as a screenplay, it's not going to work. Right. Because there are things that novels do that are different than movies and there are things that movies do. But these, these execrable low-level slush pile agencies that post on the hashtags that are relevant. You know, they're always saying, you know, they're asking for book versions of movies they just saw and they want you to show, not tell, you know. 
that's a grave error because novels are all about the telling, not about the showing. But let me just run this by you. Because okay. I have a whole I bunch have a of theory. things here I have a that theory. the show don't tell. I have a theory, not a hypothesis. A hypothesis, there's no evidence. Got it. A scientific theory, there's a lot of evidence and it could very well be true, but you can't prove it, you know, to the last nanometer of logic. Got it. And so that would be like the theory of gravity, which keeps us from flying off into space. Sure. It's a good theory. You know, evolution's a really good scientific theory. You know, modern epidemiology is based on it because okay. viruses evolve, they mutate. Of course. Of and, course. So do, and so does bacteria. But just let me run this by you and see what you think. There aren't that many plots. There just aren't. And I will list you my evaluation of what plots are in books. There's Overcoming the Monster. There's the Rags to Riches story. There's the quest. There's the voyage and the return. And then there's the rebirth. So I'll go further. The Rags to Riches is a story that follows a rise of happiness despite bad odds. Tragedy is the, is the reverse. Riches to rags. Um, one that follows a, a decline in happiness. There's the man in a hole, which is the fall and then the rise. There's the Icarus, which is the rise again and fall. There's the Cinderella, rise, fall, rise. And then there's the Oedipus, which is fall, 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 fall. <laughs> <laughs> I like the Oedipus model myself. Well, I agree with you. Because I love Antigone. There's just no better plot than a depressed woman trying to find a place to bury his very her father. I, I just love it, you know. And, right, and, right. and Tiresias, who's in it, is transgender. So, I mean, it's like timely. But I mean, uh, everything I say, you can double check. I have, no, that's fine. Yeah, it's like, I'm kind of like, you. I'm like, where were we? Where do we get we get from where to Antigone now? Oh, back to my book. Back to my book. Amazing book. Wait a minute. We were talking about your amazing book. Yes. Which I think has all the makings of an amazing book. Excellent. But you know, I mean... Frankly, if I write a story about a boy who loved a dog, the dog gets hit by a car and then the boy runs around trying to, you know, find the, the ghost of his dead dog. That's a great book, too, because it doesn't really matter what your plot is. Okay. It doesn't matter. Would you like some examples of it not mattering? Sure. Remembrance of Things Past by Marcel Proust. La Chance I... d'Aldoror by uh, the Comte de Lautremont, otherwise known as Isidore Ducasse. Ulysses by James Joyce, As I Lay Dying by William Faulkner, Sound and the Fury by William Faulkner. None of these, uh, none of these books have plots. Okay. I, and I don't really, and you could write a log line, but no, you know, <laughs> well, we're going to Ma's funeral and no one can figure out why. And we, we all hate each other in some way. Uh, you know, that's the log line. But a, a log line lesson is, is not so difficult. In fact, I'll send you a list I have of movie log lines that actually sold the movie. You know, who no one in Hollywood reads, except my former manager, who I only recently found out was my former manager. Um, that's how Hollywood okay. is. <laughs> okay. I had a book manager in Hollywood. He's the only guy in Hollywood who reads. He's like, yeah, I can't really do anything for you right now. Oh, by the way, are you a client? And, by, and the funny thing is he doesn't do clients. He only does books. He only okay. represents the book, not the author. He's not an agent. He's a book manager. It's a different thing. Okay. But anyway... Um, it doesn't matter what your plot is. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what what you think your story is. Doesn't matter what you think those acts are. If you are a superior writer and you are in command of your art, you can write anything. Okay. So I've got this book that I'm working on editing right now. I'd love to see it. Um, and and you know, once I'm done editing, I want to go into 
what did you call it? You didn't say it was in line edit, copy editing. Yeah. I want to hire a copy editor, get that done. And then I wanted to pitch it to agents. Okay. I, I think and you're you like, don't do it. Your own not to need a copy editor. I, I, I do. But I don't know if, uh, you know, there are people who have trouble with English. There are people who English is a second language. You know, doesn't mean you can't be a great author. I'll submit Vladimir Nabokov, who also has written books without without a plot. Mm-hmm. plot. I mean, even Lolita doesn't really have a plot. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't. I mean, you know. You're right. You're right. No, you're right. It really doesn't. But it was made into a successful movie by Stanley Kubrick. So, you know, so that's why I say plots don't matter. Right. Characters don't matter. You know, read Wise Blood by Flannery O'Connor. There's no plot. It's the church of it's. What about writing style? Well, I mean, and that's a highly individualized thing. Because you could say you could say, oh, my gosh, Naz, I love how you write. And someone else could read it and go. I don't know. Your writing's kind of choppy. You know, you got short sentences, you know, long cho- You know, there's so- no accounting for taste. There's no accounting for taste. But are there universals? Absolutely. You know, in painting, there's universal. If you're doing a representative painting and it doesn't look representative, then you know it's bad. Right. Um, if you do a non-representative painting and you know what you're doing and you have all the fundamentals of representational art and portraiture, then you know you're Jackson Pollock. Okay. Jackson Pollock said very clearly when people were accusing him of the random spills of paint on the canvas, he, he said, I deny the accident. Everything I do is deliberate. Good for him. Right. And if you look at his work, which to the un, the untrained eye, well, I mean, to, to an eye that hasn't been exposed to many different kinds of art or paintings, you know, the person off the street will say, yeah, it looks like a pizza. Yeah, no, my kid can do better than that because they don't see it. Right. Looked, having looked at enough stuff, you can look at Jackson Pollock and you can look at Mark Rothko, you know, who makes these big colored rectangles that blur around the, um, the edges within the canvas. And there's different color temperatures within mm-hmm. the painting, but it's completely non-representational. It's designed to hit your emotions, not your intellectualism. And he even sabotaged his own work by using pigments and paints that would degrade over time, including egg yolks. Okay. I'm not making it up. I, I promise you. Okay. I'm, I'm like thinking salmonella, but you're not going to eat a painting. So it's all good. No. <laughs> and, and salmonella will die because it dries out. It dries know? out. So we're all good. It's all, right. it's all good. We're not it's all good. You're looking the painting. I don't think. Well, good. Um, okay. So I believe, I mean, I, I believe anybody that the story doesn't matter. Oh, I want to be a storyteller. Oh, I'm addicted to storytelling. I want to tell the story, the story, the story. You know, and you can tell any story, any story you want. If you're masterful at what you write, you can write anything, even if the even if the premise sounds lousy. Okay. You had talked about publishing. Like I personally, I'm just going to say it. I want a top five publisher. Money is great. It would be nice for the money, but it's more for the pride of it. Why me, do you, it's more okay, of the so ego. Write, it's the you don't ego. Write for the it's, money. You're not in it for the business. You're, you're not. You're not approaching I, this as a business. I'm a. I'm an ego. I'm an egotistical person. Okay. It's it's my ego. I that's would never about. have known that if you didn't identify. You know what we call that in screenwriting land? Yes. But, land. On me. the nose. Two on the nose. Okay. That's. Hi. That, Hi I'm, 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 I'm Gary Cadet. I'm I'm perceived as a difficult character. 
well, way on the nose. Okay, way so it's just I'm being I'm being blunt. I mean, this is it's a dream for me to be traditionally published. I just think it's a pride and an ego thing. Okay. Well, and it's also good that you can reach a professional standard where someone says, I see money on the page. I can actually publish this and it'll be worthwhile. And many people will read it. And now I did not know that I honestly, until today's conversation, I did not know top five publishers gave you 80 to $120,000. You know what I thought they gave you? (laughs) 10,000. And I was, I didn't care about the 10,000. I wanted the top five. I'm just telling you that right now. Okay. Well, I mean, there's lots about the industry you don't know, and I'm here to help you. I'll answer okay. all the business questions. Now, you have you're... Business questions, I'll answer them. So anything you want to know about business? That... I want to know about, you had talked about independent publishers. Now, we're not talking about vanity publishing at all. We're no. talking about no, we're independent publishers, like a publishing company that's not a top five. Tell me the business element of it, because someone told me, there are tiers in the publishing industry. They're like, you have the top five and then you have a tier below that and a tier below that and a tier below that and blah, blah, well, blah. I, I Explain that to me. I, I don't really think that's true. Okay. I, I think that's once again, more agency bogusness. More, okay. more um, and literary agents love to promote ignorance because they want to control the population of writers. They, they, don't, they don't want any critique. They, they want to be thought of as, as gods and magic makers and, you know, they, they, they want you to believe you're Lana Turner at Schwab's drugstore and a big producer is going to assign you to Hollywood and you become a, a movie star. It's not okay. going to happen. Okay. Frankly, taking any writing tips from an agent is like taking car repair, t- car repair tips from a used car salesman. Mm, okay. um, th- that's as good as what it is. But sure, there is big five publishing corporate publishing. There's even some quirks within it. Like my publisher, my former publisher, Tor Forge, they are part of the Holtzbrink corporate structure and they are the coeval to St. Martin's Press. They're in the same building and, you know, offices across one another in the Flatiron Building in New York. You know, but there's all kinds of subsidiaries, different imprints. And people say, oh, it's terrible. These corporations, they run everything. They're going to control what you say. But the real story is, is all sub, sub, subdivisions of large corporations like Time Warner, you know, and uh, the many hands don't know what the other hands are doing. So one imprint will like this. The other imprint won't have anything to do with it. You know, so it's almost as good as there being some competition there. But there are independent publishers because they, a lot of them, only care about the work. They're not doing identity publishing. They're not doing author profiling. Yet there are some startups that don't know what they're doing and that are small. I mean, and and they're just terrible. They, they emulate the worst excesses of big five publishing. Okay. And then there are those who don't. And there are some of those are international publishers. I have a publisher, Yuki Odo publishing they publish all over the world they're based in canada okay um, in fact they're, they've been wrongly on reddit identified as a vanity press let me assure you they're not and i mean and they get my books in india i don't know how. <laughs> they have a very very big asian and actually you know they do and <laughs> i think there was a, a book fair i think recently in india that they were showing everybody's work at including mine but anyway um i guess there are levels of quality in anything I can think of some bad, bad, bad independent publishers who can't do anything they say and they hobble writers' careers and they screw up their manuscripts and they, they publish them without permission and they do all kinds of dodgy stuff. You know, there's, but there's fly-by-nights in every industry. 
And then there are some very reputable independents like uh, the Wild Rose Press. That's a good example. They've never published me, but they're all about romantic fantasy, romantic science fiction. You know, they're all genre. And, and by the way, the illusion that the current literary industry you know, supports and promulgates is that everything has to be genre. Everything's a genre. Right. And then there's a sub, sub, sub genre, which is just utterly ridiculous. Yeah. You know, I'd like to have lesbic science fiction, high fantasy, um, middle grade uh, novel by any author um, who's who's a, a black indigenous person of color. Please submit that to me. That's carrying genre a tad far. But where we, we're in this place now, we're literature, literary fiction fiction of ideas, not just sensationalism, not just sensualism, um, is considered itself to be a genre. Okay. If you told James Joyce he was a genre writer, he'd probably take a swing at you. Of course, he was blind. He would miss, but, you know. <laughs> because I think I am writing literary fiction. If you want to subgenre it, I'd say women's. I fiction. love literary fiction. I love, you know, but, maybe you know, I can. But help that's you get me. It. But maybe I can help you get it published. You know, I, I offer that to anybody I know who's a writer, unless they're idiots or toxic or delusional. Great. You're, not, you're none of that. Great. Well, it. you don't I, know me. I could you know be totally toxic as my, and delusional. I'm as good as my word. I've done it before and I'll do it again. But can you right. get me published with the top five, though? No. Okay. But you can get me independently published. I could, yes. Okay. Let me ask dollars. How much do, does an independent published author, like like you talk about 80 to 120 for a top five? You don't get an advance. I mean, I, I'm lucky. I've been getting small token advances on my novels. Okay. But Not you don't get anything. You're the 80K, but I'll take what I can get. Um, but you don't get anything? I, oh, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, and, and of course, a good independent publisher will set you up with what they call an author dashboard. Okay. You can actually track the sales of your writing and your your portion of the revenue share. That's okay. that's the mark of a legitimate independent publisher. Any independent publisher that doesn't do that, you really shouldn't even be talking to. Okay. That's business. I, I'm here to talk about business too. I'll I'll go through it. I'll go through it all from contracts to uh, revenue share. Just tell so me. So you know. let's let's move my no novel forward and let's assume that it's edited and I've sat and slogged at it. And I said, Gary, this book is done. I'm not changing another word in it. It's done. This is I have it. never known an author to say that. Everybody wants to change what they've written. It's like, oh my God, did I do that? You know, even me, you know, I look at it and oh, say- Oh, trust me, I'm, when I'm done, I'm done. I'm just kind of like- I'm doing valleys right now. I'm going to have two books published in a month by two different independent presses. One of them is Melange Books, fairly large scale, pretty good mm -hmm. press. Uh, another one is uh, Yard Time Publishing, which is a, a basically a, an advocacy group for prisoners. And I'm going to be their first novel that they publish. And I'm excited about that because I believe in their mission. And I don't mm -hmm. care about taking a dime mm -hmm. because I'm all for prisoners' rights in this country that has too many illicitly incarcerated prisoners and has a... a, a pretty much a new slave populate population. So right. I'm all about it. I'm all about that. So that's me willing to take no money to get publication for a good cause. Sure. Absolutely. That's, that's not me just saying, Oh, I want to do it. Cause I want to be loved. I want to be loved. I'd like to be read by prisoners and I like people to be aware of how terrible it is. Right. So um, now my book, 
I'm all about your book, believe it or not. <laughs> we nothing, are. I, I, so I, I just called you. I've just called you and I've said, Gary, I'm done. I'm done. What do you want to do with it is what I'm going to say. I want to publish this damn book, okay? Where, I, you want, I really want. You want to go. Now, I have a friend. Who I want a top five. Tell me what I can do for a top five. What, get that's an my, agent. Oh, okay. How well, do I get an agent, Gary? I'm going to tell you. Got it. I have had, by the way, I have had eight literary agents okay. in my career. Not one of them made a sale. Okay. Not a single one. And some of them are big name agents. Okay. Still around. Okay. Okay. Well, you're going to have to recruit an agent. Unless, hang on before I, I get there, there are open reading periods of various big five imprints. Tor Forge, my old publisher, has an open reading period where you can submit and they'll let you know, you know, electronically. Otherwise they try to deter, you know, slush because they are deluged by it. How do you know this? Well, I used to go to their offices a little bit before the whole industry went electronic and my editor's office had a, a, a stack of manuscripts that went up to the ceiling. I was afraid was gonna topple on me. This was in the, the Flatiron building. Sometimes when I was in New York, I, I'd help with the slush because they would actually check out the slush. Usually it all went in, you know, the disposal because much of it is terrible. But I did do that. So I can say, you know, th this does actually exist. Tor Forge allows for actual paper submissions year round. But you got to write up everything. Got to write up a pitch, a proposal, you know, and then you have to have, you know, a 300 page manuscript that's been printed out going to bear the cost of printing. And then, you you know, it's a slog, man. You don't want to do it. But people are, you know, they're determined and they do do it. So Berkeley is another imprint from Random House. They have open reading periods. I think it's a few months a year around February. I may be wrong. And you can watch for that. I looked for it. They had it. And then they said they'd open it again, but it hasn't been open for a while. Like, Yeah, it's like only for a few months a year. And you have to be patient and wait for it. There are several of these things. And some of them have genre requirements. Well, we're, we're open, but only for BIPOC YA. We're, we're open for BIPOC MG, you know, or we're only doing paranormal romance, something I can't get my head around. I just keep thinking of necrophilia. Um, <laughs> yeah, I want to fuck the dead, you know. <laughs> I just can't do it. Maybe I'm old-fashioned. Well, you know. Could be. I'm not up on the latest. How trend. do you find out about these open seasons? You, um, there are well-kept secrets, so you're going to have to hunt. But I, I have a list of them. I'll give them to you. Okay. <laughs> I'm a so basically, I'm a resource, believe it or not. So you're basically saying I need to be, you need to be my best friend. So I, I could be, be your like, best friend. I don't have to like you to help you. Wink, wink and say, hey, I don't, have to, I don't have to love you to help you get published. I, I don't. Okay, I don't good. have to agree with you. And you just I don't have to like my work. You have to believe in my work. I don't even have to like your writing. In really? Fact, yes. What? Why would you help a writer okay, who can't I, write? I, I because I'm a communist. No, <laughs> I mean I, I, because yeah, I'm, I'm oh, about, that's against that. You can't I'm help all about. Someone. Just wait a minute. <clears throat> I'm oh, gonna. Okay. I have an answer for this question. Got you it. Answer it. I will answer it. Answer There's it. so much bullshit, crappy writing, terrible writing that's published commercially by the big five. If you're that kind of writer and they're snubbing you because they don't like your identity or anything else, but your writing is just as bad as the worst writing they published, why the hell shouldn't you have a book deal? Why, why shouldn't you get a chance? I see what I you're saying. I don't have to like your writing. 
I see I what like, you're saying. I don't even like my writing. Right now I'm 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 doing the galleys of a book it's coming out in a month and I'm just like fuck fuck why did I write this fuck I can't stand it fuck I don't want to have to do another another 20 pages of this shit line by line you know and then the editors inserts you know I think this section drags maybe you can just cut out 10 pages but you know it's your call it's your call but I, you know I think it'll turn readers off you know all right Ms. Passive Aggressive, you know, great. So yeah, I mean, so I'm hating it. <laughs> I mean, if I can hate me, I could just as well hate you and get you published. Okay, got it, got it. Now here's the thing, if even if I did get an agent, you said that they may never sell my book, then what's the That's point? Right. And they never admit that either. No. Then what's the point? All right. Then well, I'd have to wait for you gotta take season. a shot. You have to take a shot, but there's no process. I don't care what they say on Twitter. There's no process. There are no trenches. Nobody's in the trenches. You're either selling or you're not. You're either getting accepted or you're not. You're going nowhere. It's not a journey. You're not traveling, you know, and uh, you want money. You're going to have to take a fucking shot. Nobody gets a guarantee. You don't even get a guarantee the sun's going to rise tomorrow. It will, but it's, there's no guarantee. Well, you don't know if you're going to be alive tomorrow. That's also that's true. <laughs> there are all kinds of random chaotic factors that come in. You know, you might, you, you know, there are literary geniuses who, like Kafka, he couldn't sell anything. Nothing. It's all post-mortem. Well, that's you know, why he Joseph became an Conrad, insect. Didn't he? Everybody didn't admires he an insect or something? I'm sorry? I said, didn't Kafka become an insect or something? I'm just kidding. Go ahead. No, Gregor Samsa, his character in Metamorphosis did. But you're I know. Money. I, you're on, you want to test me about my literary knowledge? I have read everything. I have not read everything. I, I, I have not, read it all. I, I have I'm not exactly. read it all. So I cannot test anyone. I like on to say knowledge. that. But I have read it. I have read a shitload. And I have read it. And I also repine having read a lot of crap. You know, <laughs> I just have. I read so, it. Okay. So there's open season. Yeah, there's the open readings. That's open readings. Open reading periods. And then you want to know how you get an agent. I will tell you. Got it. You have to learn how to write hardcore expository prose. You're going to have to learn how to write like a journalist and write like a copywriter. This is where the actual hard skill of writing gets its finest test. I don't really give a shit what agents say they like to hear in a query. In fact, I am scandalized and repulsed by the fact that they want to charge you 50 bucks a head so that you can learn how to query them so they can reject you. No, I'm not for that. And these agents that try to offer $1,000 a head boot camps so you can be a pro, they really should be shot. And these agents that go to conferences and claim to be open, but really they're just there to feather their own nests and to further their own platform and to make sure they're taken seriously in the industry, especially if they're one of these garbage boutique agencies. Okay. I've had boutique agencies. I've had big agencies. And really, I've learned one thing. They don't like to read and they don't like to work all that hard. And so what you need to do to get an agent is to be succinct and to write the right kind of query. Well, how do I write a query, Gary? I will tell you. I'll break it down for you. I hold meetings about this every Thursday. You're welcome to attend, by the way. You absolutely I'll probably are. attend at some point. You know, like, depends on the Thursday. I don't like insist on anything from anybody. The only thing I insist on is to give all my books on Amazon good reviews because literary agents who hate me have actually, on, on anonymous accounts, have savaged my books lying about them. And also I offended the writers when I said that they were basically vanity hack scabs taking money out of the pockets of professional writers. 
know, I still stand by it, but you know, they just said, Oh, this piece of shit, blah, blah, blah. But anyway, you know, that's the only, that's the price of admission. And you know what, you don't even have to do that. If you can't bring yourself to do it. I don't, I don't want to make a buck off writers because everybody's trying to do that. They want to charge you for editing. They want to charge you for proofreading. They want to charge you for developmental editing. Oh, I used to be an editor at Simon & Schuster. Why aren't you there? I'll tell you why. You never had a bestseller and they couldn't keep you on because the shelf life of a publishing editor is about 16 months. You don't come up with something valuable. You're out on the street. Oh, I used to work for a literary agent. Yeah, well, that's because you were a glorified intern. And when they said you could start, you know, selling things at 15% commission, straight commission, no draw, no guaranteed salary, and you fail. And even though your husband's supporting you, they'll boot you out. That's just the way it is. It's a rough, tough, nasty industry. And you have to be rough, tough. I, I, I prefer being nasty, but you don't have to do that. Um, <laughs> everyone says I'm nasty. I personally think I'm an affable fellow who always wants to help people. <laughs> I do. That's how I see myself. I, I like your bluntness. I appreciate your bluntness. Oh, I, I mean, don't have any time for bullshit. You I know, mean, it's, it's, it's better to say what you think and just say it. Kind of I'll like what I said about everything. what I said I'll about ghostwriters. Everything I say, I'll prove everything I say. I'm prepared to prove it. Right. I don't say things that are speculation. Okay. So, I no, mean, you but can I'm do just saying. Reality test on what like, I've said. It's like ghostwriters, right? When I, you know, say, and I have I, an open invitation to literary agents when I excoriate them on MSWL. I do. I want any slush pile agent that wants to, you know, rebut me, please meet me on Thursday for free. I will shred you alive and you'll take it. <laughs> that is the fact. So what you need to do really learn how to write that fucking log line. Got it. Practice like hell. Go to Amazon Prime. Go to Netflix. Go to Crackle. Any of these streaming companies. Take your little remote. Let it click on a movie without you clicking on it. And it will give you a little description about mm -hmm. the movie. That's a log line. Nine times out of 10, the actual log line for the feature, whether it's independent, whether it's self-done, there's a lot of those on, on, on Prime that are actually shot with one camera by one guy, you know, and somehow he got it in 4K and it was accepted on Amazon Prime. You know, and then you read the log line. It's got, it's got grammatical mistakes. So, you know, it came right off his right off his material. And they do. And movies that have sold on the log, I will send you the list of log lines I have. And you can make your judgment from there. Um, you need to learn how to do it. And, and these are good exemplars. You know, when you read a little description of a movie you're thinking about watching on, on Netflix, you, you've read a successful log line. They've roped you in. You're ready to take some action. The hardest thing about being a writer is to learn how to write things that make people do things. Right. That takes journalism. That takes ad copywriting. And I have worked as a reporter for 25 years and I did co ad copywriting for six years. So I have the experience. That's why eight agents, eight, I got them all off my pitches. I got them all off the slush pile. Every blessed one. Well, no, John Talbot, he's a big agent now. He was recommended to me by Linda Marrow of... At that time, she was the vice president of pocketbooks. Didn't do a thing for me. Actually wanted to charge me for copy. But, you know, <laughs> that's, that's life in agent land. But I write effectively enough to get selected. Oh, I have five publishers. Off the slosh pile, they read the query. I might know something about this. I can tell you I know more than any agent. They only know what they read. They only know what they like. And they don't have any rules or regulations. They don't even know. And they don't even want to read. They have an intern doing that. 
So the intern goes because the worst agents are, are, are actually asking for slush. So you have this brand new agent. Oh, I just got a job. I am now an associate agent. Well, you're an intern. They're not paying you. You're going to read everyone's slush pile, including your own. And you announce that. And, oh, please, you know, I want to see this. I want to see that. Bang, you got 700 manuscripts. Why? Because there's 400,000 authors out there who want to get published and make money at it. And they're not doing it. And maybe only 50,000 that have representation. And not everybody's selling. When you realize that the commercial avenues for fiction number about 3,000 new titles a year, not including paperback reprints or back catalog reprints. That sounds very university. Bleak. Yeah, it is. That's why everybody whines. Oh, I just got another rejection. I just got another. Yeah, and I've had my full my full manuscript, you know, uh, requested six times, and none of them took. You want to know why? Because they didn't want to read it. For God's sake, the uh, the intern says, "Oh, this is something that my agent might actually take a look at." It goes to the agent. The agent reads the, the freaking subject line of the email. Says, "Why did you give this to me? Fuck this shit!" And then you reject it. Oh, wow. So when, whenever anybody says they have a request, oh, I'm over the moon, I'm dancing on clouds, you're an idiot. <laughs> you know, the, the odds of that being acceptance is even less than it just being accepted off the slush pile. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I actually tweet this, but nobody wants to believe me because they're sold a fairy tale that comports with their delusion and their, their, how they would like things to be. There's no rhyme or reason in publishing. It's, you know, just like Hollywood, it's a star fucker in industry. You're, I mean, you're a movie star, you write a novel, they'll publish it, and they'll hire me to rewrite it. Right. That's what'll happen. But, you know, Gary needs to pay his bills. <laughs> he needs True. to put food on the table, you know, he needs to do these things. So, you know, I, I, I do it. And I make a whole hell of a lot less money than the celebrity who sold their first novel to Simon & Schuster. You know, I make, what, $15,000? That person got a $200,000 advance. Right. It's all about fame and star fuckery. <laughs> and you didn't even get your name on the book. And you didn't even get your name on a book that you wrote. Several, more, more than a few. Right, right, exactly. That's why I'm saying. I'm it. insanely it's... prolific. I've written my height. Um, <laughs> um, so, okay, so we do. Right, but let, me, let me finish what I'm saying. I, so, I know, I, I, I'm sorry if I seem to be, you know, divigating and going off on, on tangents. You want to know the real deal. There's a form to actually writing something that will make an agent go, okay. Or, or an independent publisher say, yeah, I want to read this. So what you do is you have a salutation in the query. You have a line saying something that you've read off their website about things they like. Hi, Joe Schmo agent. You know, I saw on your website that you like um, middle grade fantasy stories about cockroaches. And so I, I think this is going to be something you'll like. And then you have the log line, you know, um, Rick and Morty become large scale cockroaches and take over the world. There's your log line then you write maybe two paragraphs of a, of a synopsis. I don't care if they say they want 1,000 words. I don't care if they say they want 200 words. Two brief paragraphs without much adornment will do the trick. And then you tell them what you think this book is like, because like Hollywood, literary land does not want original material. It doesn't. It wants something like Stephen King. It wants something like J.K. Rowling. It wants something like George R.R. R. Martin. And if you're not like them, they don't see money on the page. You're going nowhere. So you have to do that, show that it's something that's sold or is regarded, and then you sign off. And oh, by the way, in every single email, whether they want it or not, 
take a big section of your manuscript and embed it in the body of the email because they're lazy. And when they finish the query, they don't want to go find the attachment and open it up. But if there's more to read, then they'll read it. And that's how you write a query. And it works. It works. Right now, I'm being considered by my ninth literary agent. <laughs> Why? Why? I have everything but the agreement. <laughs> Why are you even looking for a literary agent if you've been published so many times? I would like to get with... more movie money. I, I'd like to get more movie. I got movie money off my first novel. I liked it. I want more. I, so I your need, agents uh, are I... for your agents are more for script writing rather than for book novel no, writing. No, no, no. That's not how it works. Okay. Uh, how how it really works is this way: you publish with a big five. It goes into a conduit where Hollywood managers and we're all you know they, they are scamming they are scanning it you know and oh this is being published by simon and schuster it has a release in you know nine months but you know yeah yeah we should sell this so sometimes the book is sold as a manuscript before it ever reaches um the shelves that happened in my case i got a nice fat option now i was luckier still because the celebrity who shall remain nameless due to a looming nda said, hey, you know, I got a ghostwriter for my books. Wasn't me. A nice Harvard graduate writing his books for him. And uh, he said, you know, I'd like you to team up with him and, and write screenplays for me. And I said, I have no clue how you do that. And he said, well, you guys will figure it out. Yeah, I mean, and for like a year and a half, we were doing the absolute worst fucking bullshit in, the, in human history. Everything wrong. But, you know, you do it day in, day out for six years. You get good at it. <laughs> okay. When it's all you do. So, yeah, I mean, if you have a big five, you're in the running for movie money. I mean, right now I'm adapting one of my books into a graphic novel because comic books are where movie money is coming from. Oh, and wow. I want okay. movie money. I, I, want, I, want a I want a movie. And, you know, if you can write screenplays effectively, you can take any book you've written and adapt it. I do any one of my books I can adapt into a screenplay in two weeks. Not a problem. My book is That's actually a play. Not oh, a I love Plays. I've I've written two of them. I yeah, I love it's plays. It's an actual of, you know, play that I converted into a book, into a novel. Into a novel. Sorry. How is it? Is a play. Oh, I love. Well, I haven't. Those. It hasn't been. It, it wasn't produced. I no, was I editing. I, I was I'm editing the gonna, play. You're never then... going to get your play produced unless you have an agent or have been working in the theater for thirty-five years and everybody knows who you are. Doesn't mean it's not a good play. It's a well, it's a hazing system. So you know, I just. You, thought... I mean, Sometimes I write stuff I know is going nowhere, but I want to fucking write it. And I don't really care what anybody thinks. I just think, you know, I was like, I was working on the edits on the play. And then I, you know, and I, I was like, instead of editing the play, let's edit all those scenes and put it in the novel. And so the edited version of the play is the novel. Yeah, I, don't know. I mean, sure. I mean, you could do that. I, I tend to do it the reverse, you know. But that's kind of <laughs> where my novel is. So I think once... there's more money in the screen. There is money in screenplay writing, even though you're not going to be given a huge amount of money by Hollywood and they're going to make your script just because, you know, they like you and they like your work. That's never going to happen. But you know, there are all kinds of avenues for making money from screenplay writing. And I have I have done them all <laughs> except gaming. Well, I gaming don't want to big market. I'm not a gamer. I don't screenplay. I don't want to write a screenplay. I don't want to write. I don't. Oh, that's what they all say until you realize how easy it is, and you're like, "Oh my God, where? What am I? What was I thinking?" No, I'm not. I just want my novel published. A good novel, when you're not writing bullshit and you actually care about the writing, is going to take you about eight months. A screenplay, three weeks. 
I'm not suggesting that you write screenplays. I'm just, I, I tell this to everybody. You know, I mean, I hear these people say, oh, I've been working 10 years on this screenplay. I'm like, what? You know, I, I do mine in a month, actually less than that. I lie to them and say it takes me a month so I could like do it at my own speed, watch television, have a drink and, you know, write the bullshit, um, <laughs> you know, but that's, you know, that's money uh, and that's business. We're talking about business here. So right. you so want to sell, you want business. You write a query the way I tell you to write it. And you're a good expository prose writer, which means you have to actually write like that hack Hemingway, like I loathe with every fiber of my being. I like the style. It's very simple. It's just it's not a style at all. It's frustrating. It's to the speech. point, it's just point. It's terrible. You know, really, he wrote a book about a fish. Give me a break. An old man. It's all machismo idiocy. It's like, oh, I mean much more than I'm saying, but I'm never going to say it because my stunted inarticulateness is actually full of moving depth and artful. No, it's bullshit. And he was bad. He was bombed out of his mind when he wrote it. He was drunk. <laughs> that's that's that, reads my, that way. Jesus that was Christ. True. The sun also rises by God. I was judging fiction for the Playboy fiction contest. I worked for Playboy, by the way. And, um, you know, they wrote better than Hemingway. But I love Zelda Fitzgerald said that he was a hack and a fraud. I know she went crazy, but she was right. I'd rather read Fitzgerald than Hemingway. And Fitzgerald okay. was a failure. He had one romantic book that succeeded, drank it all away. His best book didn't sell. It wasn't even the length of a novel called um, The Great Gatsby. It's really like a thin little novella, but it's good. Right. Mm -hmm. It's good. Doesn't matter how long the book is. I used to write really long books. My first novel was 465 pages. I also wrote a novel that was 196 pages. You know, and, and I let the novel itself determine its length that tells me, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to try and truncate it. If an agent can't take it because of the word count, then they don't know shit. They can't sell anything. They're not looking to put any work in on it. And they don't have any belief in your, in your ability. But if, they, if I sign with an agent, I still don't even know what the heck I'm doing because then I'm stuck and I'm waiting and I'm waiting and they may stopping. never sell it. You know, every agency agreement is a mutual quit. Every single one of them is a handshake. Okay. And you hope you that want, they can sell it. You want, to, you want to fire your agent? You're free to do it. Your agent wants to fire you? Absolutely. There's no hold on you. There's no obligation in the agency agreement. And if there is, you need to cross it out. And I'm going to pre heresy here. You got a literary agent? I don't. Keep I don't. pitching. Up, I mean, if you did. I don't see any reason why you can't succeed. The only reason I could see why you can't succeed is that, you know, you'll be doing things in a way that doesn't make sense and you won't, don't want to try any other avenues and then you give up and, and then you say, oh, well, I'll just self-publish. And that's always a mistake. Well, why is it a mistake, Gary? Because you never make money off that book. No, no publisher is going to buy it. <clears throat> no agent is going to rep it. It's dead. And you're going to have to spend thousands of dollars to make hundreds of dollars in revenues by pushing it and spend all your waking time being a nuisance on Twitter, spamming it and spamming it on Facebook and the others. You know, it, it's really just um, a zero sum game. And, you, you know, you want to make money and you want to be successful. I've never known a writer who doesn't. And I've never known a writer who didn't love his or her own book to pieces. It's just the way it is. I've also never known one who didn't have ADHD, some form of ADHD, it sounds like I made up a new drug, ADHD and uh, depression and uh, procrastination. You know, I'm proud of my procrastination. Procrastination is my method of writing. Because frankly, if I don't have anything that I, I built up in my head that's imagined, that's imagined, 
You know, I'm not going to be, I'm going to be sitting there saying, I have nothing to say. And that's another thing. Have something to say, have an opinion, have some knowledge, throw some ideas in there. I'm all about the fiction. Everything I write has ideas in it. Even my genre novels, I write crime genre, but I, I, I call it literary crime because it has ideas. Ideas, really, the writing and the ideas are where you get your reader. Otherwise, your reader is just reading this bland nonsense. They skip pages. Oh, you know, nothing's happening. Where's the plot? I want a twist. I want a gimmick because that's what they're trained to do. Too many of the writers writing now have never read William Makepeace Thackeray. They never read Henry Fielding. They never read Alan René Lesage, possibly the greatest picaresque novelist of all time, rivaling um, Cervantes. They haven't read any of this. So they're basically doing imitations of imitations of imitations of emblems. <laughs> and it's water. I mean, it becomes like white noise. You know, you, you duplicate a tape enough, the music is gone, and all you have is this, is this hiss. <sighs> and that's what you get. And they're all wondering, well, why? I'm great. I love my book. I love my characters. Why aren't I selling? Because you can't sell it. And if you can't sell it, an agent won't buy it. In fact, the agent is going to use your pitches, your synopsis, your material call up their contact at St. Martin's and say, hey, Eddie, I got this book. Let me send you over the synopsis. She didn't write. It's mostly she's in the world, by the way. The men are kind of like, they can't make money at it and they have to support their wives who are doing it. How brutal do you think it is when you've got 3,000 new fiction slots a year, maybe 2,000 real agents, not interns pretending to be agents, associates, apprentice, junior, they're all interns. How, how brutal do you think it is to live off 15% commission on a possible 2,000 book sales divided up by uh, 3,000 book sales divided up by 2,000 literary agents? You know, it's a rough, tough business. It's like, and this is why agents will say, we're having a webinar on how to write the ultimate query. <laughs> oh, um, uh, and this terrible human being. I mean, I, I hate PS literary. Piss literary is what it is. And they're looking to make money from authors, not by representing them. But I love Cecilia Lyra. Oh, she published three novels. They're all trite, slight, cliche. And that's what everybody wants you to do. Let, let's, I want you to write some trite, slight, cliche. That's what That's what they, well, you know, other books do sell. And you know what? It isn't really what sells because if a big five decides to take your book and market it with some muscle, doesn't matter. It'll that, sell. That is true. It could be shit and they can sell it and they can put they a flower on the corner the Harvard of your MBAs, and be like, here you go. The Harvard MBAs who work there say, please, the worse the crap, the better. It has right. to really be shit. You know, you can get some idiot to write, hey, that's me, um, <laughs> some idiot to fix it. Well, you know, I've done enough of that. I don't even want to do it anymore. You know, I'll do screenplays. I mean, I'm at the point right now where I'm script doctoring now. I don't even want to write a feature. You know, it's funny. I've made money as a writer for 30 years. I've made it as a, as a journalist, ad copywriting, books, articles, shorts, short stories, I, short fiction in Playboy, for example. And I worked for them as a staff writer temporarily. I would have moved to New York and worked with them, but my then wife, I'm divorced, but not from reality, did not want to move to New York because she had already moved to America from Germany. That's another tag. If you know how to write effectively, you can break through, but it, you know, people want to know what's the easiest way, what's the best way to get published. Know somebody, nepotism, cronyism. Now, me, I rely on the crony model. 
But right now, I'm the crony. You know? <laughs> I mean, I, it, I'll, I'll try and get you published, you know. Okay. I'll help you out. And you I'll know what? You I, won't charge, to that. I won't charge a thing. Well, thank you. I'll, I'll you hold you accountable. You are the most ripped off entity. In the, everybody fucks the writer coming and going. The agent fucks the writer. The publisher fucks the writer. The reader fucks the writer. They, they'll go on, on Amazon. They don't like your, your lesbian, feminist, Muslim, BIPOC, middle grade tale. I'm not, I'm not right, describing right. you. Sure. No, I understand. You know, right. this, you know, this piece of shit is, you know, and, and they never read it. They just don't like who you are on Twitter. You said a bad thing. Right. Or you told the guy was an idiot, which was probably true. They'll go on Amazon and Amazon will never take it off because they want to flatter their customers. So, I mean, I, I have I have one review saying that I smelled my own farts, you know, really. OK, <laughs> so that's how you want to that's how you want to review a book. I was a book reviewer for 10 years, with the Boston Book Review. I was writing. That was my paycheck. And I was working for Alliance Atlantis before I even wrote my first screenplay. I was doing what's known as um, coverage, which is where, I, you know, I was a crime reviewer. So I would scout novels for them. I would write a log line, which I learned how to do. And then I would write the coverage so that somebody who didn't read very well would have a, uh, a Wellesley College graduate sit next to him or her and read the coverage. And then they decide what to do. Three of the books that I, I recommended to them were made into movies. Okay. And, and they paid me well. I mean, they paid me $450 a week just for, just for that. What a great job, you know? Hey, um... We've been talking for a long time. This is a long, long That's okay. You want, you want to quit? I'm, I'm good with it. But I do. I do have a question before we quit. It's actually a non-publishing question. You told me you I were... Mean, I, I'm going to just say one thing. Cronyism is not to be underestimated. Okay. You need somebody to back you to help you get an agent, but you really need to have stellar expository writing skills. It's basic writing. It's basic communication. And I find that 90% of the maybe more of the Twitter authors have no clue about it. They're unskilled writers because they think all the wrong things are important. If you think the right things, which basically is the quality of writing, then you're on the right track, no matter what you're doing. And even if, if you embrace a genre or you don't, every story you can think of to tell, every plot, I rattled them all off to you. They've all been done. It's all been done before, just like what Ecclesiastes says. But it doesn't matter if you write it well. It just doesn't matter. They've all seen it before. And if you think Hollywood is really you know, selective about its material, and there are 4 million people who want to write scripts because it's easy, it doesn't cost much, and you can submit it to Hollywood, they'll give you $300,000 and make a movie, which happens to just about nobody who doesn't have a crony in there for them. Right. Who isn't known by, or who isn't attached to, to a director, a producer, a star, or, or a manager. And it's, you know, you're not going to get repped by William Morris Endeavor. They won't accept your query. Neither will ICM, CAA, Gersh, or anybody else. I've worked for all of them. Eh. <laughs> okay. Gary, fix this. Should, should be like, like my middle name. Like my dog's middle name is no. My, my middle name is fix this. <laughs> serious. You used to, you used to work for Boston Review. Tell me a good, Boston, tell yeah. me the elements of a good review. So if I'm writing a book review, tell me the elements of a good review. Fairness. You got to be fair. You got to read the writing and take it within the context that it's delivered. Mm -hmm. and, and you need to understand 
you know, if you happen to be doing genre. Now, I, I did a genre that I think is fairly broad. I, re I reviewed crime novels and I made a big distinction between crime and mysteries because I can't stand mysteries. I'm with Edmund Wilson, who wrote a long article I approve of titled Who Cares Who Killed Roger Ackroyd? You know, I don't care. But mm -hmm. crime, I'm endlessly fascinated by that. Just the, the, the depths of human depravity. So, you know, I was reading all kinds of things. And uh, let's take Dan Brown. Okay. Dan Brown's first book was with my publisher. It was called The Digital Fortress. It was god-awful. Just terrible writing, cardboard cutout characters, implausible plot developments, a bad premise. And I didn't want to, and you know what? When a book's that bad, I don't want to review it. I just wouldn't do it. But, you know, good old Dan, he called the Boston Book Review and said, I need ink. And now I want ink on this. What do I have to do? And Mr. Brown, I read your book. It's terrible. Said, oh, I don't care. I don't care. I just want to get any, any kind of ink I can get. This is a true story. Then we had lunch. We'll get into that. That's another anecdote. Okay. Um, but, um, and I, I reviewed it. And, and it's everything, everything that I said to you, I put in that review. But I was being fair. You want to write a book review? Back up what you say. This sucks because of, or this is great because they did this. Mm -hmm. You analyze the damn thing. People who don't know how to write book reviews have watched too much television. Oh, it's a fast-paced read that will have you on the edge of your seat. That's not a review. That's not what it is. I used to have to fucking read like 10 books a week, you know, and, and the ones I chose to review, I would write exhaustively. I mean, like I, I helped out James Elroy in his earlier part of his career. I dedicated a full column to him and, you know, went over the books that I thought were, you know, stellar and the ones that weren't. I did the same thing when uh, the Library of America put out the complete fiction of, um, what's his name? Uh, Philip Marlowe's creator. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. Oh, no. Raymond Chandler, Raymond right. Chandler. Even I can draw a blank sometimes. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, I mean, I wrote exhaustively about Raymond Chandler. I wrote about Horace McCoy. Um, and I would write new fiction novels and I would praise them even when they went nowhere. You know, like Jason Starr, he wrote A Personal Matter. I thought it was just great noir fiction. He's not famous. It was published by Gordon, Gordon Lish's publishing company, Four Windows, Four Doors. And I thought it was very good. I gave it. I gave it. Roderick Thorpe, he's another guy. He wrote a novel about the Green River Killer. And this is so long ago, they never, they never apprehended him. And I read the book and I was like, this is great. You know, and, and a good read. You know, it's not adorned with fanciness, but it's well written. What makes something that's well written? I'll tell you. Everything links together. You got a single sentence paragraph. It needs to dovetail into the next paragraph. The sentences within that paragraph have to interlock, leading into the next paragraph and the next paragraph. And the writing flows. When people say it's choppy, that's when it doesn't flow. They often don't even know what they mean by that because ambiguity is the bane of all writers. Editors resort to it when they can't tell you specifically what the problem is. Readers do it when they can't tell you. Those are just because. I'll tell you something. I always establish a fact before an opinion every single time. If I read your writing and tell you what's wrong with it, I'll tell you what is wrong with it. Right. But anyway, I read this book by him and I thought it was tremendous. And in fact, he was really close to naming the Green River Killer, and he even got the first name of the Green River Killer right, <laughs> which is my name, Gary. And I don't think he was pitching it. Seriously. And I had lunch with him, too. He was in Boston. I thought, I want to thank you for the kind review. And then, you know, I didn't realize it, but he was the guy who wrote Die Hard. 
Minor detail. Cool. A minor. Minor, you know, yeah. Wrote, you know. Back in 1968, he wrote a pretty good book that was turned into a movie with this stuff, you know, Frank Sinatra, Jack Plugman, Ralph Meeker, a big cast from that time called The Detective. He wrote that. And he was, in fact, a police detective. I didn't put that in the review because I didn't really care who he was. Right. And that's, I've always been that way. I don't really care who you are. If you write a great book, I'm on your side. Okay. And that's all I have to say about that. All right. Well, let me finish my book and then we can, you know. Oh, I'll take a look at it. Yeah. <laughs> like, then, uh, if, you take, if you want to take that risk, I'll look at it. I love every Of what? Read of you reading my book now when it's not edited? Whenever you want. Oh, I don't. Fuck editing. You know, really. You, know, <laughs> you, well, shouldn't, be, you shouldn't need to be edited when you're done with it or when it's good. And there is such a thing as over-editing, where someone gets so paranoid, they crush the spontaneity of the writing. I've seen that. When things are over-edited, they're dry as dust. You don't want that to happen. Right. I, I think- You understand basic grammar and have an ability with that. You should have no problem expressing yourself and enticing a reader even as jaded as I am. I'm looking for gross, the gross edits. I'm working on that right now because there are a few things that need to be sorted right, so out. Well, and- let me just briefly tell you, there is no such thing as a three-act structure, but let me break down to you how it all works, whether it's a screenplay or a novel. You got a problem, you got a climax, and you got a solution at the end. That's it. You can start out with your climax if you really want, where something explodes and you're just backtracking that throughout the entire book. Um, there's no arc. The only arc that you do is up. No arc, just a straight line up because you want it to keep getting more intense, more relatable, more exciting. You don't need a fucking third act and then and then have a cool down. I mean, a, a second act and then have a cool down in the third act. This is a way of abusing a writer. So I can tell you, well, you know, I read your book, uh, Shanaz, and I'll, I'll tell you, it falls apart in the, third, in the second act. But it really doesn't. If you're writing well, you're not dividing. It's not a play. I agree with dividing plays up into acts. I think that makes great sense. I don't even believe in writing screenplays in three acts. I, you know, you want that problem. That's how the movie starts. Every time, every movie, I don't care what one you pick, anything, Citizen Kane, Dumb and Dumber, it doesn't matter. Always starts with a problem. There's a climax. And then there is some kind of denouement at the end, whether it's a downbeat ending where nothing works or where it, it's a, a resolution that's arrived at to absurdity that made the climax. That's how it always is. And anybody who's wasting their time with three acts doesn't know anything, or they're spending time trying to manipulate writers to do what they want. Okay. On that note, boy, wait, this is like almost sorry two hours. I'm sorry for taking up so much of your time. No, Feel this free is great. Edit this. Just don't no, make no, me look this like is, this is great. I'll just, I'll, I'll probably just edit like little. Um, and try not to make me look like an idiot. That's all I ask. You know. Well, what do you want me to edit out of? This is great. I loved it. I loved it. So thank you. No, this is all great. Some of the discursive things could probably be edited out. I'm sorry about my salty language. I, I just no, don't no, I'm, I wasn't going to edit much out. I mean, I really wasn't going to edit much out. Okay, I just so like I'm, it. I'm saying don't edit me to look like it because it could be done. You know, we live in the world of deep fakery, you know. No, but that's no, all right. I mean, no, I, I, I was going to present it. Level of trust. 
I was going to present it the way it is. Sure. I'm happy about that. That's it. Like what this conversation is, is the way I'm going to present it. That's it. I honestly don't think I presented myself as an idiot. Um, I could I, be wrong. I don't think so. I think it was a great conversation. I really, yeah, me too. Uh, I learned I, a lot. I it was, was, it was I a great point I of view. I hope I profit you and I hope anybody who listens to this profits by it. And I will also plug my free, it's free, my free Thursday group writers meeting at 3.30 p.m. every Thursday, Eastern Daylight Time. And we address everything we talked about in this in this segment of your podcast. We do the writing business. We do the writing art. We even, I actually had to hold grammar sessions. But at least the writers who know they don't have good grammar attended to get the grammar they needed. How do I use a semicolon? I hear that a lot. Why shouldn't I use adverbs and things like that? And also business. And I also want to teach, this is my personal propaganda. I want to teach everybody how to write a screenplay. That's what we do. And we, we support writers. And if you have something that you really want to get published, can't get you a big five, but I might be able to help you get an in- independent deal. And okay. I'm happy to do it. I okay, am. Right. I really well, am. Well, I, I, am. I believe you. I'm so about this at all. I believe you. So I just want to say. <laughs> oh, it was a pleasure, Shana. Thank you. Uh, thank you for, for being such a lively interviewer. Well, thank you for being a lively interviewee. Yeah, I, uh, people complain about that. Jesus Christ, look at them. <laughs> And that's a wrap. I will not extend this episode for much longer, but before I go, if you loved this episode or any of my previous episodes, please take a moment to write me a review on Apple Podcasts. Please share this podcast with your family and friends and through your social media channels. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram on Living a Life Through Books. I'm also on Clubhouse. Look me up by name. I'm on uh, TikTok. My tag is at Dr. Shnaz Ahmed. You can reach me through email. My address is livingalifethroughbooks at gmail.com. My website is shnazahmed.com. That is S-H-A-H-N-A-Z-A-H-M-E-D.com. The opening and closing music to this and all my previous episodes was composed by my husband, Brad Slavik. I'm Dr. Shanaz Ahmed with Living a Life Through Books signing off. Remember to water the seeds within you. It's time.